For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. So like we said, this is our first podcast with two people in here. We, we did a podcast with more than two people in the room when we did it with Jimmy. Jimmy Starbuck, we had a studio audience of two next, next to him, Missy and Trevor Sherber. But it was just one person being interviewed. So the first time we've interviewed two people at one time. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. First. Yeah. Big time. Big time stuff. Big time. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, so you guys are from Hoopaw in North Carolina. That's correct. In Charlotte. I, uh, we talked a lot about, I'm going to put my dinosaur away here. We talked a lot about the, can we, where do I want to start? Can we talk about what was the moment in time where you said, hey, we need to do things differently? Because you were talking about it this morning. Like, let's get into basically what you talked about this morning, start repeating ourselves here. Um, you were, you've, I guess, just brief background on the company. And then what was the turning point of, hey, we need to, we need to do things differently here. We need to start investing in our people differently and defining our culture and, and doing the stuff you're doing now. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, as far as the background, I mean, we're a you know, heavy civil uh, turnkey site contractor, you know, work about a 65-mile radius of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, but like I shared with you earlier, you know, we had a lot of growth uh, from, from really 2002 to obviously then the financial crisis stopped a lot of growth in 2007 and eight. And then after that, in around 2009, you know, we saw some exponential growth with the opportunities that we had with our customer base. And, you know, along the way, when we were growing, um, it was, it was fun, you know, and it, it kind of got to the point where it stopped being fun mm -hmm. and, uh, we were, we were doing well. I mean, you know, the company was making money and we were keeping our customers happy, but, you could just see that internally things were not going the way that they should go. It wasn't sustainable. I mean, it was it was really spiraling downhill internally with, you know, teammates didn't have each other's backs, um, wasn't there to support one another. You know, we wasn't really working together as a team. Although out, the outside world, you know, didn't really see that. We we knew that we needed to, you know, look under the hood. And uh, I think I've shared with you, I had a, a CPA of ours uh, provided me a book. And the book was called Traction by Gino Wickman. And, you know, I listened to the book, the audio version, and, and it just, the light bulb went off. You know, everything that we had tried to do um, as a company uh, in years past, pulling groups together and, and, and having, you know, weekly meetings about working on the business versus, uh, you know, working in the business. You know, mm -hmm. what do we need to do to get our, get our ducks in a row, so to say, where people can enjoy their place of work. And so we pulled this group together and, we sat down in, in about a two-day deal and um, and put our vision together. And when we when we sat down in that room, I mean, we realized that we had way more problems um, than we ever thought. Because I mean, we were open and honest, and your implementer really pulled pulled a lot of that stuff out of you. And you had to be real honest. And and I had to when I walked away from that two-day deal, you know, and I had already you know probably probably about a year prior to that. You asked when uh, this was in. 2017, late 16, early 17 is when we we did this implementation of uh, the EOS uh, system that we were using. Uh, but really, late 15, early 16 is when you know I was just hating life. It just wasn't it wasn't fun anymore. Um, you just every every time you tried to do something beneficial with 
in the business, you got it would just stop somewhere else. And we at the time we probably had 250 employees then, mm-hmm. um, and so it was just difficult to get any kind of traction. You know, retention was terrible. Uh, we couldn't get couldn't hire people anymore. Nobody wanted to work with us. And and and, and when you got done with everything, you realized that it was all people driven. You know, it had nothing to do with the equipment. It had nothing to do with the software that we use or any of that. It was all people driven. And so, you know, I had to just go home one night and looked in the mirror and like, well, nobody else is going to do anything about this. Sure. You know, I've got to change, you know, because what I'm doing now, what I've done for the last 10 years is no longer working. Um, you know, I've got to change, you know, my outlook on the business and and pulled instead of it being kind of what I needed done or, or what my partner at the time might have felt like it needed to be. We had to pull the people that were really making it happen together and, and come up with, you know, who we were, you know, where we want to be when we grow up. And that was the good thing about the the, the vision, uh, the VTO in the EOS world, vision, you know, traction organizer. We set out a 10-year plan, um, set out a five-year, you know, five-year, th- 10-year plan, five-year plan, three-year plan, one-year plan to achieve each one of those. And we, we laid that out there, and we haven't changed it since. Uh, we've been laser-focused, and the majority of the, the goals that we set forth was all about people development, every bit of it. And in, in the retention thing and all that, that's a lot of what people say, but I think the most important thing there is it wasn't fun anymore because I know a lot of people that they don't, I don't think they've, they've said that they've, they'll, they'll admit it that they're not having fun anymore, but you can clearly tell that they're not having fun anymore. They, they, I think a lot of people, they start out in this, this industry because it is fun. You're moving dirt, you're building stuff, you're having a good time with the people you work with. And, uh, but then you, you see these guys that have been around a long time and they're just so wound tight and they are clearly not having a good time anymore. And that's, it's just a bummer to bummer to watch. Um, when did you come on to the business? It'll be four years in March. Four years. Join the Hoopa team. So you, you brought him on, uh, you were, I mean, good timing as far as this whole change is concerned. Was he, was he a higher because of this change, you need an outside perspective. Somewhat, I mean, we we just knew each other. Timing. And when you know, when when Brandon left his um, career, corporate career, you yeah. know, he called me up on a Monday night and basically said, "Hey, I I quit." And, you know, and I was like, "Well, you quit what? You know, what 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 do you mean you quit?" And he he told me, he said, "I've just got to do something different." And I said, "What are you going to do?" And he said, "I have no clue. I just we just now separated today." And I was like, "We got to have dinner." Because for us, we were going through, we, we were a year into our plan. Um, and it was to the point of we wasn't getting the traction that we needed, yeah. you know. And, and, and I realized then I didn't know, I didn't really know how we were going to go about moving forward because, you know, Brandon, he said he didn't know anything about dirt. You know, he'll, he'll tell the story, but he knew people. And I knew he'd always been real good at, uh, you know, building teams at, at his, in, corporate, in the corporate world. Uh, but when we, I had worked with him, you know, he always had the values that we felt like our company had, sure. you know, and if you wanted a teammate, that'd be the one you want first. And so we just hooked up over dinner and I presented him with our VTO and we we hooked up and I mean, it's kind of last four years has been great. And, and he's really, you know, made a huge uh, impact, you know, helping us with our problems. And, and literally it's, 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 it's achieving the VTO, you know, as far as building our people. Uh, our team building, and then a really good sounding board from the standpoint of, you know, you, you heard him say something about Jordans, you know, earlier that you can wear Jordans to work. Well, we don't wear yeah. Jordans to work. We wear boots. Yeah. But yeah. now he he has Jordans. <laughs> so it, it's it's pretty cool to, to see that. It, it brings a different spin. Um, you know, he can challenge, you know, the things that we think might be right in the field, but yet doesn't make sense for, for your team. Sure. And uh, pulling all that together. So it's been great. I mean, it's been, you know, as far as our – Brandon's – one of four on our executive leadership team. And uh, we all, I think we complement each other very, very well. Uh, we all bring something different to the table. And uh, it's just a good sounding board, but get very, very creative. And then he he keeps us stylish with the, with the shoes. Yeah, that's, the that's, Jordans. That's important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The I, I think there's an important uh, factor there too. I, diversity is a big word that's thrown around a lot these days. And it's 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 race, it's it's gender, it's, it's a lot of things. I think in construction – 
I don't even think we're to that point yet. It's you need to take baby steps when it comes to diversity and other industries are just a lot further along when it comes to all sorts of different things compared to our, our world. I think our world, it, it really starts with just like a diversity in background and opinion. Everybody's been in this world since they can walk. And that's a good thing because they love it and they live and breathe it and it's everything to them. But it also creates a serious amount of groupthink and everybody thinks the same way and talks the same way and does the same things. No one questions why we do certain things because there's no outside perspective. It's, it's, it's missing a lot of times. And I think bringing that in is, is hugely valuable. And you weren't, I mean, you were, you were still around contractors, but you were coming at it. I, I know the company you were, you were at, it's, that's a whole different, oh, yeah. whole different ball game. <laughs> it was, it was. And, you know, and it, even at that, I mean, these issues that we're dealing with, they exist at companies of all sizes, mm-hmm. big companies, small companies, the, the problems are the same no matter where, but your ability to influence change starts to decrease at a big company. Yeah. And so to be able to come over here and lock arms with the team at Hoopie, it's it's been fun to actually be able to help solve some of the problems and, and create solutions and then seeing it work, implementing mm-hmm. it and seeing it work um, instead of us just talking about it and talking about it. I... I think it's important to to talk about the background of you guys because you were another contractor with the same problems that everybody else. You had the same retention problems. You had the same people problems. You had you had all the problems. You were moving dirt. You were doing what everybody else is doing. Um, you said it, you you implement this the you re, you retraction. You implement the EOS. All that jazz. You're struggling for a little bit for the first year. What were I guess uh, before that, you said you had some problems. What were the what were the problems? What were what were the problems you had to identify before you could even figure out where to go? You know, a lot of the problems was really where you want to be. You know, your plan, uh, but then you you realize real quick that people wasn't trained properly, and potentially they they wasn't trained properly because you know they didn't you didn't set out a plan or a belief in where you're headed as a culture. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the big piece was the culture. You know, our core values. I mean, was huge. You know the the beauty of our core values, you know, they're not mine. You know, they're, they're we, we took 60 men that we felt like were the absolute best in the company and put, you know, attributes of why they are the best, in our opinions, sure. um, on a big board. And, and we, we narrowed, narrowed down all their different characters, and that's how we come up, you know, with our five core values. And once we realized that, for me, it the, the whole – it didn't really – and in the beginning, it wasn't really about, it was like, well, train, training, everybody's like, we're going to train. Okay, we're going to run how to run, learn how to run a bulldozer. We're going to you know, learn how to lay pipe. We're going to learn how to set up our laser, which is all stuff you have to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the training really started headed in the right, meaning we got to train people how to talk to each other, yeah. how to, to get along with each other, how to support one another, how to have the values, you know, day in and day out. So that regardless if you don't know how to do the work, you at least know how to have each other's backs and be there for one another. And what happened along the way was after about a year into it, you know, we're developing that. And then you realize that there's, there was a lot of folks potentially in the organization that wasn't aligned with the values. So you, mm-hmm. and so you, you never could, you, you wouldn't get traction there because it was kind of like having a bad apple in the, in the bunch. And, and either now we tried to obviously in most cases, you know, work through all that, you know, laying out plans and, having open lines of communication on this is what these particular individuals need to work on such that we are aligned. But in some cases, I mean, you had to make those decisions to um, shift away. Sure. And uh, when we, and then the more we did that um, with, with the team and then you had everyone else aligned with the values, believing in the mission, this is where we're headed. You know, it, it wasn't about a return on investment or profitability. It was like, we're getting better together. Our goal is to be the best. That was simple, simple terms. We're going to be the best in the industry in our area. Um, and that's what we focused on. So everything that we do, if we're not the best, then we've got to work on that and be trained. You know, we've got to do something different there. And like I said, about a year into the whole, from 17 to 18 um, was when we realized that, you know, we had to adjust. We had to get different players, you know, different teammates, uh, different leadership. And we realized we needed more leadership. We, you know, You've been around, obviously, the country looking at, you know, big contractors, small contractors, and, you know, it takes a lot of leadership on the ground. Yeah. Um, and we also had to divert, too, from the, the term management. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we we really don't like to use a manager or management in our in our vocabulary anymore because we 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 feel that everybody's a leader. You know, yeah, it's we not had a, had a lot of bosses. Yeah, we had a lot place, of bosses, but not a lot of leaders. And that was the one thing when I first got there, Brian, that I I remember the most is that there was just a sea of people coming to his office all day long. Mm-hmm. And it was it was as if every decision that was being made in the company was being made from that corner office. Yeah, And I don't know if you remember this. I, I, I told Brian, I said, try one thing when, when they come in next time. And, and they say, what do you think we should do? Ask them, what do you think we should do? Mm-hmm. And then you started doing that. And yeah. that was the beginning of where we started building leaders. And you were letting go of the vine. Mm-hmm. You weren't solving problems. We were creating other leaders. Sure. And that's, uh, I mean, that's that's one of, like, the simplest things you can do to dramatically change any kind of scenario you're in. I see. And and that's and, and it's a lot of these people that aren't having fun anymore. It's because everybody's coming to them with their problems, but they're the ones facilitating that. They're the ones allowing that to be okay in the first place. They're the ones creating that dependency. And until you start asking them, well, what do you think? And you'll ask them what you think. Nine times out of 10, they're going to say, they're going to give you a a pretty damn good answer. They've got a plan. (laughs) They know what to do. (laughs) I mean, it was totally my fault. I mean, you know, full ownership. I mean, you know, that's when I said we looked in the mirror and I looked in the mirror and realized that, you know, you've got to make some changes. Yeah. Uh, And you got to, number one, let your team because you had we had great people. I mean, you know, had to let them, had to let them go. You know, let them do it. Sure. Um, so uh, you define your values, and is it really as simple as sitting a group of people that are exemplary individuals within your business down and asking, "Hey, what what makes us who we are?" Is it really that's that simple? Exactly what we did. Really. Because a lot of people ask, well, how do you define your values? And that's what we do with a lot of companies is we sit down in a room and just and just ask. So what makes a person that works at Hoopa? Oh, oh, well, it's this, 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 this. And then you get a list and you narrow it down. You have everybody agree upon it. And now you have an operating system. And now you can go take that out there and define, okay, yeah, this group, these, these people definitely do not fit here. Like this is a problem and we need to work through it. And then when you're hiring, now you have a benchmark to sit there and say, does this person align with these values? And if they don't, you can avoid so many hiring mistakes that way. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny. You hear core values uh, a lot. People throw that word around a lot. It's, this is the first place that I can recall going to that. It doesn't matter who you ask of our 675 team members, they know the core values. They can recite them to you. They know all five core values. They can tell you what they what they mean and how we utilize them every day. And that's they're not just words on the wall. You don't hear them one time at orientation and then forget the core values. Like we're talking about these every day, yeah. every day. Well, and and you're you're talking about them. You're training about them. But they they already were the values. You weren't it's who they are. You know, the, the two yeah. bosses yeah. weren't sitting down and okay, hey. What are the the values we're going to manufacture to guide our culture in a way that it's not already aligned with? You're not sitting down and, uh, yes, yeah, safety. So that we need to we need to make sure that's in there. And and I don't know what your core values are. Maybe safety is probably in there somewhere. But the the way they a lot of companies do it is they do it just because oh yeah we need values. So just slap something down there, or they do it to guide the culture in a way that it not necessarily is headed in. But you guys just took the existing business and hey what. What's already here and how can we, and what's the best of already here and how can we guide the entire business in that direction, which is definitely the way to do it. Yep. That was Uh, it. um, So explain the investment in, I guess, how did you guys rationalize the investment in all this? Because even the cost of sitting your 60 top people down in a room to talk, there's a lot of companies that would have an allergic reaction to that because that's a lot of dollars sitting in a room, not creating any kind of production. Uh, how do you start to justify this spending on this kind of stuff? You know, we get asked that all the time. And, and honestly, I mean, we, we never justified it. We just said it has to be done, mm-hmm. you know, because when we, we, when I looked in the mirror, you know, back in 2016, I mean, I said, we've got to work on the business, meaning we've got to work on the team. And so whatever we've got to do that, you know, better suit, prepare the team for our growth and to be there for one another, rolling in the right direction together. I said, it doesn't matter what it costs. 
because it's going to cost us more if we don't do it. And so I, I just, there is no number. I mean, we never penciled it down and said, what are we going to spend? Yeah, that's um, that's actually true. I mean, we we create some of the most elaborate budgets in the world every day, and we had no budget for this. We never talked about the investment. We never talked about the dollars. We said, do what it takes. We're going to get it. We're going to get it built. What would you say you worked for a bigger company and you knew you needed to go in this direction? Leadership wasn't totally bought in. But is there something that you would do that to maybe convince them of this this direction? Or you, I mean, I know you weren't in that situation, but how would you approach it if you were maybe younger middle management at a bigger company, knowing this is the future, but not necessarily being the guy to make the decision? Well, I think it starts with the. Uh, I mean, you got to get the top believing in it. Yeah. I mean, so they got to tell the story. I mean, even for us today, I mean, we're constantly you know, continuing to tell the story and the culture. I mean, sure. the train on it. I mean, everything we do is tied to our values. Um, so if, if if you're in a company that and you're a young leader out there and you're not getting the support of your leadership, then it, it's going to be hard to get it out there. I mean, yeah. you got to be bought in. And you got they, they got to believe. I mean, in order for them to believe, that, that it can't just be a story. I mean, it's got to be this is the mission, this is where we're headed. Uh, so you're laser focused on achieving it. It would be very hard if it, if the tops, I mean, top, bottom, wherever, you know, it's a, if those leaders are not supportive of that, you know, senior level or mid level leadership. Um, I don't, I don't think you get any traction. And I think it's it, it's hard to to look at it and and see all this stuff, see what you're doing, see some of the things that Hoopa Grading has done. And it, it looks so big. Mm-hmm. And it looks, I can't tackle that. That's massive. Like, we don't – but it started with that one meeting. And this has been a process over the last five years. Yep, five years. So just just having the – just knowing to take that first step. Sure. And to, to start the process. And But I, we, we talk to a lot of people that come in. They look at the academy. They look at the training situation. They look at our vision and, and all these pieces that have come together. And they think, I can't – I can't do that. Mm-hmm. We couldn't either, uh, no. you know, until, you know, we put all the other pieces in place and we started with core values. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it doesn't take a lot of time for people to sit down and talk about their problems. The hard part, I think, in our industry is the the rough, callous hands, guys, they don't want to talk and they don't want to put it out there. They don't want to really, you know, tell what the problems are. Sure. Um, and, and a lot of times they don't know how. I mean, you know, they don't know how to, you know, the, the issue may not be the issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it could very well be the individual. And that's, um, a, a, that's a great point. It's like, yeah, they don't know how to communicate. Yeah. These, these, they're all human beings at the end of the day. And uh, it's easy to get caught up in everybody's rough exterior in this world. You know, the big beards and the tattoos and everybody's 300-something pounds, just, just enormous individuals a lot of times and you, you get caught up in thinking that these are just like a bunch of like barbarians or Vikings or whatever the hell they are, but they're all human beings at the end of the day. And if you treat them as human beings, they'll more than likely respond as human beings. And it, like we were talking about this morning, it's a slow process too. It's not like you're going to have this breakthrough moment where they start crying, you start crying. And then from then on, everything is remarkable. It's just butterflies are everywhere, rainbows are everywhere, and the world has changed. It's it's a long process to get some people in a completely different direction that they've never been in for a 30-plus year career. No, it takes time. It takes it takes a lot of time. It takes patience. Um, and, and everybody doesn't, you know, adapt at the same pace, too. Mm-hmm. And, and you also know that you you can't you can't expect someone to to hit the end goal in a year when you're just now getting the relationship started in the first three months. I mean, so that that right there is where you, I think as a leader, you've got to be able to recognize that you see, you can see far out on where you think that individual needs to be, you know, as part of your leadership team, but yet know that it is a marathon, not a sprint. And it's going to take time to get there. And it's cool, too, because you wouldn't, you know, a lot of people look at uh, the folks that are in our business and they say, hey, they're not going to go for that. Like, they're not going to, you can't put them through disc training, mm-hmm. you know, talking about communication styles. They're not, these guys aren't going to go for that, um, you know, the training classes and all. They love it. 
They love it. And they've taken such ownership of the academy and the facility. And I think they genuinely appreciate the investment that the company's making back in them. And we're seeing it work. No, absolutely. I think the morale, and this is something that we didn't plan for, you know, in none of our planning, but the morale now to, to Brandon's point about what we're, we're investing in them, the t- our time. And, and that's where I think a, a lot of, a lot of folks kind of miss is just sometimes they just want to talk, mm-hmm. you know, they want to be put in an environment where they can get together and just talk and not all business, you know, it's different, different types of business. You know, you're working on each other, you're talking to each other, you're being honest with one another, you get to know their families. I mean, it's, that's where sometimes I think we get caught up in the day-to-day, let's move the dirt, put the pipe in the ground, put the asphalt down, sure. you know, and we, we lose focus that we're, we're, we're people and, you know, we're one big family out there um, working 12, 16 hours a day. I mean, so why can't we talk? Why can't we be open yeah. and talk to each other about our problems and, uh, and how we need to improve? You know, give me that feedback. You know, what do I need to do better to help you in your daily work and things like that? But once you get them talking now, it's like it, it's and it really, really, I mean, you talk about traction. So the first three years, I'm not going to say it was stagnant. There was a lot of moving parts going on. But now what you see is it's is huge gains. Hmm. And and it's not just, say, the our executive leaders pushing this out there to everybody. We've got everybody now hmm. talking the same lingo. And they're they're helping one another. They've got each other's backs. So everybody's a leader. Sure. You know, and, and from the I mean, we feel like every a roller operator, you know, or or a laborer putting in pipe, our goal is for everyone in the company to be some sort of leader. And we feel like they are at heart somewhere there. there there's some leadership ability, and but now you're seeing that across you know over 670 employees, uh, teammates. Um, they're all really supporting one another. I mean, just just talking through problems and how to communicate and how to address an issue, how to approach a super. You know, I've got an issue, mm-hmm. but I don't. I'm, I'm, there's this this thing, this stigma that well, I don't want to talk to the boss about it because he might cause problems for me later down the road. Sure. That's that's not the way it should be. Yeah. And, but that's the way it was. I mean, you know, we had those problems, you know, within our organization, but now everybody can be open and talk and, and we can get down to some solutions to help people. So it's, it's really cool. And you start to see that at a, I mean, I would say an exponential level. Um, well, and uh, the investment, sure, you have to spend time or, or money on certain things. And we'll talk about your uh, training facility here in a second. But a lot of it's just time and, and intention and caring yep. that you're allocating. It, it, it's not investing is not just dollars. Investing, like you guys were talking about, you're teaching what is extreme, extreme mm-hmm. ownership. Mm-hmm. So you teach a class on extreme ownership to to new people onboarding in the company, or is that foreman or That's all of our field, field leadership? So superintendents, uh, project managers, estimators. Yeah. Yeah. So, but 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 that to. Um, that individual in the class that doesn't just say you know this is th- th- that it's it's not just about extreme ownership it's much more than that because it's you guys teaching the class which says this is really important and they care about me because they have a lot going on and yet they're here teaching me and that makes me feel special as a human being and it doesn't take a lot of that to make someone feel special in an annual period. No, it doesn't. And we've heard that. We've heard that that they really do appreciate the fact that that we're we're living this, and it's not just not just talk that, mm-hmm. that we're doing it too. But I, I tell you, we learn from them every time we do it. It's it's I've learned something every class we've taught from from them. So it's it's good for us too. When someone asks me where would you start as far as leadership's concerned in the direct world, that's the book I direct them to. Extreme ownership. Just start extreme ownership because it'll open your eyes to a whole new world. Oh, it's absolutely. a game changer. Yeah. Um talk about your training facility. How'd you get the the idea for that and when did that start to come together? Well we knew um early on as far to part of our you know our vision we set out there that we needed to do some training. Mm-hmm. I mean it was just we need to train. And at the time it was more, you know, safety, you know, everything's so safety oriented, you know, you got to be safe at what we're doing. And, but we also knew that we needed to develop leadership skills and then just any everyday skill, whatever it may be, we wanted to be able to develop that some way, shape or form. Um, as far as the, the academy that we, we built, um, I mean, basically it was never drawn out on a piece of paper. This is what we're going to do. And and Brandon can, he tells a little bit better story than I do, but we, we basically just went in and we found us a, a building 
and I found a place that we could train immediately. Uh, this was right before COVID started, um, beginning of 2020 and before Con Expo or whatever. And uh, Yeah, Brian was telling, he, he was saying that, um, he said, we need space to train. We don't have any room to train our people. And so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, fourth period math class trailer outside the school. That sure. We're going to get a trailer outside yeah. the shop. and like we're Con X or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Brian says, meet me down here. And I showed up, and it's this 20,000-square-foot warehouse. And I said, holy smoke, uh, your vision for this thing was way different than mine. Sure. And so then we, we, we started out just, you know, teaching in that one facility. We had a couple of our safety guys in there. And on rain days, the guys would go in and do some safety training, you know, 10-hour. And our guys, some, some of them went through some 30-hour training. And, but the goal was, was to create a curriculum and, and to get, and we had, we had basically had started our team development group uh, a year prior. Mm-hmm. So we had, had their, had our leader um, of that particular group was already starting to develop the, 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 the bigger vision, um, but also the curriculum that we wanted to put out there and so forth. Cause she had basically went out to all of our team and started hearing the paints. You know, this is where we're lacking training. This is where we need, you know, we, we, we got this down pat, but we need to improve on this particular thing here. Hmm. And so we ended up, we, we told, I said, let's get us an architect. We got us an architect. And, and then it just got way bigger than what we had originally thought. And then, you know, now we're in it and we moved in, I guess, it was about a year after we, we, we used the facility for really about three months until they got it permitted. Then we didn't have a facility anymore. We had to go to back to doing it on pickup trucks, but you know now we've got a, a three classroom um, training facility uh, warehouse to where we, you know we you know teach people how to read stakes and stuff. We've got some really cool things. These little roll around dirt boxes, and this got stakes in them, and we sure. simulate the curb and gutter and the pipe staking and control points and things like that. But then we've got our simulator room, you know, where we've got our three simulators set up. Um, so I mean, it is a it, it's every day. You know, there's something going on. It's also our um, our recruitment. You know, all of our recruitment goes in. All of our hiring. You know, our team development group. You know, they pull all that in and put everybody through orientation in the academy and stuff. So um, that's kind of how it all come about. I mean, but it was never. We never wrote down what we're going to spend or anything. I mean, we just did it. it was- I uh, based on all this, I have an idea that I'll have to talk to you guys about afterwards. Um, I've seen your ideas. You have big ideas. I have big ideas. Well, this is this is something quite simple that I think we could do together. Um, so you go out and get a space, and I think having a dedicated space for training is extremely important. I think it's uh, the intentions are always pure. We want to train our people. We want to invest in our people, but it's always kind of scooted off to the side too, or a little haphazard, or like the job trailer in the back mm-hmm. if they have a job trailer. You know, it's something something even as fancy as that. And they don't, they're not, there's just not serious investment in it. There's not a, a specific space for it. There's not a facility that's designed and a staff that's that's designed and purposefully within the business to train and further people. I've only seen it in a few other places, but it seems like you guys aren't regretting the expense of it. Absolutely not. I, our, our, I think the only regret maybe that we may have is we didn't go bigger. You know, I, like I wish nice. we, we, we should have, if in a timing, I mean, we didn't have, it was the, the best space at the time, I think to move forward. But if, yeah, if, if we'd have, we, we, number one, we wouldn't done any different, but if we had bigger space, we probably would have went a little bit bigger. Nice. I mean, potentially, you know, more land, and you know, outside training, inside training, sure. Set up with its own assets and, you know, full everything that you really need to do it soup to nuts. And this, this is just for your guys' business. This yep. is not some nonprofit. This isn't an association. This this is just the Hoopa training facility. That's it. That Hoop. is just for your people. HGC and our, Academy. And our partners. And our partners. And our, our partners. Our, yeah, our, our trade partners and some of the subcontractors that we work with, we'll do some training with them too. Well, and it's probably helped build the relationships you have with subcontractors, vendors, community. As well, absolutely. It has. No, it has. Huh? What's um, so? Is it just for leaders, or if I'm a if I start as a laborer at your guys's company, do I have a shot at going to the training academy, or what does that look like? Oh yeah, it's for everyone. It's for everybody. Every every team member's got access to the training academy. So it doesn't matter if it's safety training, equipment training on the simulators, 
um, leadership training, communication training, hmm. job site training, whatever it is, everyone's got access. Um, what's, uh, you talked about the, the full-time folks that you have running this thing. So, okay, great. I can go buy a 20,000 square foot warehouse, but if you don't have, and this is the next challenge, if you don't have their curriculum, if you don't have the people to train, it's not all that valuable. So how did you have to set up your, your staff to be able to, to accommodate this new program? Yeah, yeah. we've got an incredible team. You know, that, so that group is called our team development group. And we, we started from scratch really. And that group did not exist. And we found our leader and uh, she started putting her team together, Mm -hmm. but it's, um, that's where it's at to have the space, but not have the people that understand how to put it all together, how to build the curriculum, how to do the training, how to go out and identify the needs and, and translate that to the 675 people that are out there on the job. Like that's it. That was a big job. So, um, we, we found a great leader of that and, and she's been able to put that team together. Now there's probably what, 15 or so. Yeah, I think it's about 15. And, and I tell you, that's, you talk about where you, where 15 you fail. people. 15. So you no kidding. Yeah. So you take a where well, you fail a lot as a company, meaning you're we're going to teach this guy how to do this, and we're going to teach this guy. And you think that you're the field staff that you've got, they're the ones that's going to take care of that when mm-hmm. they've got everything in the world. Uh, they don't have any time for that during the day. Now sure. we, we're changing that philosophy a little bit too. That look, we're all teachers. You know, we we, we got to teach the next generation, but we never ever were 100 percent until now you know, with the adding the team development. So I think that's where a lot of folks, they, they really get hung up. And I mean, you created a whole group to, to do nothing but support the entire team. And we're like, yes, we did that. Mm -hmm. And everybody's, they they can't wrap their arms around it, but you have to do that. I mean, it's, it's no different than you'll have a fine grade group. You have a motor grade group. You'll have a, you know, grading group, heavy mass, mass grading group. You may have a utility group. You don't mind going out there and spending a bunch of money on putting a bunch of equipment and people together to go out there and lay pipe. Well, why can't mm-hmm. you do the same? You well, know, that bolt, it, it's, you had to do it that way. And that's the only yeah. way we really got any traction at all with the teaching. I mean, even all that though, it's even, I like using uh, equipment technicians, equipment department as an example to that, because uh, the, the, it's not grading or anything like that. That's, that's making the money. Equipment department is somewhat overhead at the end of the day. Uh, everyone says people are their most important asset and yet there's no one dedicated to people, but they'll have a company like your size. I don't know how many people are in the equipment department. 20 something. Yeah. Well, we've got 45, but 45 in your equipment department. Okay. So you have 45 in your equipment department. That's a lot of people dedicated to maintaining machines. And yet they'll have no one dedicated to maintaining people, people, growing people within their business that that's that's an obvious problem and uh an obvious area of improvement is if you don't have anybody focused on what you claim to be your biggest asset maybe you need to invest there because there's nothing that's going to change if you don't invest there that's a great point great i guess you also had said that there's no hr can you explain that or there's no big I'll HR. Yeah, we don't we don't have an HR. I think people are always surprised to hear that in a company of 675 people. How do you get by with no HR uh, department? And I don't know. I, I I don't think anybody really likes HR. You know, it's a scary word. You know, if HR gets involved, it's usually not good. And so, just the the term HR uh, was something we tried to avoid. So we went with this team development group. But our philosophy has been that if we give our leaders the tools, the resources, the knowledge, and everything they need to be able to manage their team and lead their teams, you don't need HR, right? If you empower them to be able to handle issues where they, when they take place, on the job site, with their teams, you don't have to pull an HR group in to, to fix that. And so that's been our goal through the academy is to empower our leaders to give them the tools and resources to be able to to lead effectively. And by doing that, we haven't had to build no, an HR team. No, we haven't built one. I mean, it just, everybody, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, any leader is HR. I mean, in, in any business. I mean, because you're out there dealing with with every everybody, you know, 12, 12 hours a day. And um, you, why do they need to go to some office and talk to someone when their leadership's right there in the field and can help sure. them through, help them navigate any problem that they have? 
Now we have benefits and, and yeah, payroll and yeah, things like that, but yeah. I mean that's it's it's very small. Um, I mean we don't we don't put problems on the someone. I mean we we take those opportunities and and, and build better leaders with the, the the issues that may arise in the field. You know? Out of all the training you guys do, what's if you were to pick one kind of training or class or something like that, what do you think is the most impactful? Or at least where would you start if you were building something from scratch? That's hard. I mean, where to start? Do, yeah, I think uh, the the communication. Commun- yeah, yeah that that disc um, communication class. It, it it sounded you know weird to some of our folks to go through that and to talk about communication with uh, you know what, construction. What is, what is disc? So it's identifying your communication style, your natural communication style, how you communicate, but also how you like to be communicated to. And so there was a DISC. Those are four different styles of communication. And as we started working through that, we saw team members that realized, hey, I'm I'm not, I'm butting heads with this guy, but it's because he's not hearing what I think I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Or it's 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 not coming out the same. And that right there, the communication piece to where you could get, you can't do anything until people can talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Like there was, we weren't going to make any progress until people could communicate. Uh, properly. Yeah. And we started that with our leaders first. Um, you know, I would, I would say you need to do it with everybody in the company. And our goal is to, you know, eventually do that with every teammate. Uh, but starting with your leaders, because if, if leadership, if, if you got a dominant response, you know, it's kind of like one of our uh, team development uh, t- trainers. I mean, he, he tells them all, you know, the first three words out of your mouth as a superintendent, you've now set the tone for that operator that's coming up to you with a problem, you know, listen, listen more, listen to what they have to say before you speak. And because you, you'll set the tone right out of the shoot and then they're not going to be upfront and honest with you. And so I think getting our leadership to understand that their, their disc style, uh, not only how they are perceived by others, but how they receive it as well um, has been huge because now a lot of them will pause, pause a little bit more before they talk. Um, and, and give those individuals the opportunity to talk to them and, uh, you know, be, be a better listener. And that's the, the both sides of the transaction, figuring out both sides is huge because a lot of times it's not the same thing. Right. You, you, you respond completely differently than you, than you act. And, and that's a lot of things in life. And until you start to understand, and that's why I talk about therapy so much because it allows you to understand how you operate. And then once you understand how you can operate, then you can act accordingly and, and act with, in, in, in alignment with how you're wired and how you operate. And then stuff really starts to come together once you figure out, oh, okay, so this is how I operate. This is how I communicate to somebody. This is how I like to be communicated to. Now this is a whole different ballgame, and I can actually act a lot more uh, effectively in every, every situation. This isn't just helping them communicate on a job site either. They're probably taking this home oh, and they're communicating more effectively with their kids, with their spouses, with their their parents, their friends, their community members, everybody in the community benefits. Absolutely. Yeah, and that was the foundation. Once we got that piece in place, then we could start tackling some bigger issues and and we launched our boot camp. We're doing the extreme ownership, 12 principles there too. So, yeah. but building that foundation of communication was, was essential. You guys are... A, uh, about to learn a lot about extreme ownership yeah. tomorrow. I'm so pumped. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what it's going to be, but I'm pumped. <laughs> it's a little scared. Yeah, so uh, it's it's just um, you know you can you can be talked at all day long, but then if you're it's like I tell you how to run an excavator, or I just put you in the seat of an excavator and let you feel the controls for yourself and dig a hole. It's just a different ball game. That's how this is. It's you know you can go get talked at and learn leadership that way. Or you can be put in high stress situations and learn leadership in the moment. And uh, it's for me, I haven't been through it. I've only I watched the entire time the last time around. And it's it's a, a pretty spectacular event. I can't wait. Yeah, we're yeah. excited. Scared and excited. Yeah. Um, so all of this, so you're you're training, you're you're communicating more effectively, you're defining your values, <clears throat> you're creating a vision for the future to sell people on. All of this, you said when you started on this, you were about 250 people. Now you guys said you're 675. So that's 
almost three times the amount of people in not that many years. What is that? Five years? Yeah, five years. Five years, three times the people. Um, is is hiring, is turnover, is all of that a problem these days? Not really. I mean, we we have issues. Don't don't get me wrong, but yeah. we're it's it's no longer. It used to be an issue, but it's no longer an issue really anymore. I mean, you what you run into now with turnover a lot of times, especially with new folks coming into the industry, you know, it's they they just they really don't want to do this after mm-hmm. they get in and figure it out. Uh, so you you do have that risk of, of folks coming in, but for the most part, we don't have issues finding new teammates. Um, our recruitment team can find them. Applicants are coming in. Um, our website's getting hit, you know, for our career page all the time. Um, so, I mean, we, and, and that's, I think is, it, it says a lot for our team. I mean, you know, they've, they've created a work culture to where people want to be. Mm. And so I think you, you know, you, if you don't have that, you know, you can, you can have the best recruitment team in the world, but if you can't sustain that, yeah. meaning that culture, um, you know, nobody's, nobody's going to come. And, you know, we said years ago that if, you know, this recruitment thing or retention thing could go away. Um, if we get our house in order and mm-hmm. people be lined up at the door. And that was always the goal was to to have a company that everybody not only respected us for the work that we do, but for how we work together as a group and how we treat one another. Yeah. And that that was I think that's the that's really the the pivotal moment when we really started seeing huge traction. Um, because now everybody wants to come work for Hoopaw Graden because of who we are you know, because of how we treat, treat people. Um, and they're aligned with our values, you know, and, and everybody's not aligned with our values. And then a lot of times when they don't make it, it's because, you know, one of those five values or two of them, you couldn't, you couldn't adjust. You couldn't pivot to sustain that uh, every day. Sure. Uh, and then the teammate will ask you to leave. I mean, that's the thing that the power of the, the team's like, look, we're, we're kind of oil and water here. We, you, this might not be, your place. We got a good thing going over here, but we we can't put up with that here. Sure. You know, so it's it's that right there is what you you have to have that. You know, it can't just be on the wall. It, it's it's got to be real. It's got to be genuine. And your your teammates are the best ones to sell that to anybody. Well, and even if you're recruiting for a business and you're not stoked on the business, that's it's obvious in the recruitment process. Mm-hmm. People that's can right. pick up on that. It's everybody says uh like Shauna and Matt Biddle, they're such good recruiters within our business. They're very skilled. They're very, they're just fantastic people. But I think they, they're actually stoked to be here. And people pick up on, people aren't stupid. People are intuitive. They can pick up on if they're being sold bullshit or not. Um, and I think, I think that's key. But I think bigger picture as well, this wasn't some magic potion you drank and all your problems were solved. This was five year, a five-year process and it's still very much ongoing. Absolutely. I'm sure there's plenty more on the horizon, but it was a five-year process to get to this point and a lot of work and time and energy and money invested. I mean, there was a lot of hard conversations, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Just a lot in that five, five years to get to this point. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And change. I mean, you have to, you have to do a really, really good job of promoting change and getting everyone's mindset in the business that, look, we're going to change again and again and again and again. You know, that's a, some people don't like change. Um, our team loves change. It's a challenge for them now. Now it's yeah. kind of like it's an opportunity to do better. Well, um, I found like within our business, you kind of have to uh, build some momentum there and get people used to it. And then once they get used to it, that change is fun. It's, it's, ex- it's exciting. There's new things going on, new problems to solve. And some people aren't as adaptable as others from a just core attributes level, I've learned. But change is... It's it's uncomfortable at first, but then once you start getting used to it, and you start you start almost desiring it. And I couldn't I couldn't ever go back to a company that's just like corporate America, just doing the exact same thing five days a week, all year long for decades. I couldn't imagine going back to that after doing this because it's just it's so much fun to be involved in just constant change. But you have to a lot of construction companies they're stuck in the there's not a whole lot of momentum there. And so you have to get the momentum going before it's really going to start to compound. Well, absolutely. And you have to, you know, the, the leadership in that company, they got to stick with it. I mean, it's got, that's got to be their focus. Mm. I mean, because if you, if you, if you back off of it, I mean, I was guilty of backing off um, 
you know, initially, and, and it started failing again. I mean, you've got to keep that momentum. Well, and I think people, too, are, you know, they're afraid of change because they don't want to become that corporate culture, right? They like what you have. They like that family feel, that small business yeah. culture that they have, and they think that as we continue to grow, you lose that, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're intentional about making sure that you maintain that secret sauce and keeping that culture in place, and that's the other part about the training academy, too, is that, you know, in our industry, people, they they rarely leave the industry. They'll go from place to place to place. Well, if you're wanting to protect your culture, the best way to do that is to grow, mm-hmm. to grow people. And and that's that's what we've been able to do, bring folks in from, you know, out of high school, out of college, teach them the business, give them the tools to be successful, but also maintain that culture and teach them our way instead of having to reprogram them. It's, and that's another big piece too, is being willing to put in the effort to bring people up from, bring people from the ground up. I, everybody again, wants the easy button. They want to go hire someone that's experienced, quote unquote experienced. They've been in the seat for 10 years, but okay, sure. You might be able to be more productive today with someone who's been in the seat for 10 years rather than someone who's never been in a seat. But if you take someone who's never been a seat, train them up how you want them to be trained up, put them in the right position, they're going to be so far outperforming potentially that more experienced person within, I don't know, six months, 12 months. And then from that point on, you're far better off. It's just that you're, you're trying to solve your problem today with a short-term fix and you're not looking big picture and trying right. to create something a lot more sustainable. Right. And, and just because the company has been doing this very successfully for 50 years, doesn't mean that's the formula for the next 50 at all. It probably means that's not the formula for the next 50. And it's funny, if you study history, more often than not, a country that wins a war loses the next war because they get fooled into thinking that that's the that's the way to win. But the enemy has studied, well, that's how you won this one. We're going to clobber you because we're going to just do it a different way. So it's like we saw, you know, the Gulf War, we come in and just clobber, clobber uh, Saddam in just a few days. We go back to Iraq, we get clobbered for a decade <laughs> and, and leave with nothing to show for it. It's uh, and the same principle applies to companies. You know, you got to constantly change. Yeah. You know, constantly work on it for sure. That's pretty cool stuff. It's pretty exciting what you guys are doing. Well, it's fun again. It's, uh, you know, life is... Life's good, work's fun, um, people are smiling, you know, and that's and, and that's one of our goals. It was people are happier um, to to achieve that, and we're we're seeing that, you know, across the the whole the whole company now. So it's uh, yeah. it, it's fun to get up and go. Well, and this is and this is a business too. Happy people are probably more productive and more profitable, and that's not the point, but. If the company's making more money, then you have more to invest in people. Then you have more to pay people. Then you have you can hire more people and can grow more and do more work. It becomes this 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 virtuous cycle of if we invest in our people, if we potentially maybe we have to make a little less right now, invest in our people, it's going to make us more down the road. And then if we make more, then we can do even more. It, it goes back to the beginning again. Now you can do, now you can go buy a build, bigger building and do even more training and hire even more people and change more lives and support more families. And then ultimately have a bigger and bigger impact on the dirt world, which is super cool. It is. And uh, you said it earlier. I mean, but it, you can't do it without the people. You've yeah. got to, you got to have the people. And we've got, an amazing team. We really do. You know, Brian and I get to come up here and hang out with you and talk on this microphone, but it's it's the 673 people back in Charlotte right now that are making it happen. And uh, it's just, we love sharing the story. It's yeah. a fun story to tell. Absolutely. They're the winners. I mean, they, they've made it all happen. I mean, they're, I mean, just, it, we tell them all the time, it's just honored to be part of it with them, you know, kind of navigating the, Navigating the, you know, we got the rowing in the right direction. I'm glad to be on the boat with them. I mean, we couldn't be more happier with the team that we've got. What what comes next? Where you guys go, or where you guys headed? You know, what's the back half of that ten year vision? 
it's just, I mean, really, I mean, we're not done developing where we need to be as far as our people. I mean, we, we've got a lot of, still got a lot more work to do under the hood. Um, I've got a lot more work to do as a leader. Uh, I've got to, you know, learn. That's one thing about it. When your team gets better and better and better, you've got to become a better and better leader. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, we're, you know, growth, we tell people all the time, you know, we, we'll grow as long as our team continues to grow with one another. Hmm. Um, and if, if that means, you know, another office or, or, you know, another state or something like that, I mean, that, that's, that's possible. Um, but it's got to be based on our people. I mean, so we're going to continue to invest in them, uh, to get them better and better and better. I think that's the cool thing too. I don't know if you've said it already, but that 10 year vision, it was just, it was to be the best. It wasn't a number. It wasn't a size. It wasn't, you know, uh, number of chapters, locations. It was to simply be the best. And mm-hmm. whatever that took to be the best for our clients, our trade partners, our employees, and our community. And so we, Well, you know, the, the, the big thing now, I think, I mean, to kind of be a little more specific an answer is now that we've got kind of our house in order, meaning that we've got people willing to work together, um, and have each other's backs and be solid teammates. Now we can work on the skill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before it's like everybody, you work on the skill first and you don't really work on the people yeah. side of it, the, the communication skills and things like that. Well, now we can hone in on our craft. Mm-hmm. And I think when we do that, we'll get better and better. Um, and to your point, that's when your profitability goes up. That's that's when you can, you can run a machine – put 10,000 hours on a machine again like we like they did years ago. And, sure. um, and, and your investment there and your tools, they last longer. Uh, but, but hitting your marks, hitting your schedules, um, you know, and continuing to be the best for our clients. But that's, and, and we talked about it earlier, that goes back to that hierarchy of needs concept. If you don't figure out the people thing, if you don't start with your people, you can't, you can't go beyond that. You're stuck. You're stuck. Like it does it doesn't matter what your resources look like, your history looks like, nothing. The potential of your business, you're you're stuck if you can't figure out that that people, that people equation first. Absolutely. It's everything. Huh. I need to have the uh what was what was the group you just CR Jackson? Yeah. CR Jackson. I need to have them them on. I think I've talked to the is it the kids? Yeah. So it's uh Richard Jackson and then uh Stephen and Elizabeth. Stephen Elizabeth. Elizabeth. I think I've talked to Stephen Fantastic. But it was years ago. Yeah. They're incredible. Yeah. Great great people. They're going through some of the same things that we're all experiencing and and trying to figure that out together, right? And and Mm -hmm. talking about it together and and, um, coming up with solutions and figuring out the best practices to to address some of these issues. We've got to get better about that. So you had had Blythe on, you said, too? We did. Yeah. We had Alan Cahill, Blythe. Are they technically a competitor? Uh, You know what? we don't compete head to head a lot, uh, it, but you know that's the beauty of of that. It's in that environment, we're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to improve mm-hmm. the industry. Yeah, and I think Alan's episode uh, on his podcast was really cool because Alan talks about you know at this stage of his career, he wears the CEO hat at three different companies now. Mm. Um, but at this stage of his career, it's all about developing people. And so to be able to talk about that with other business owners and other business leaders and talk about these problems that we're having uh, and deal with that as an industry, that's where we're, that's where we're going to go. It, it's cool those conversations are happening because that, it is a rarity in this. It's not a rarity in my life because that's basically what I do full time. I just get to meet cool people and have all these conversations and be right in the middle of everybody. Like, oh yeah, I was just with your competitor yesterday. It's just, it's just funny being in that that world but that doesn't we need more of that we no, need more no, of that no absolutely i think alan's building his academy now. yeah he's building one yeah is that right yeah, yeah he is wow sure is well we've as we talked about this morning we have plans for our uh, our academy yep that's going to be a nice one big yeah. plans <laughs> big plans <laughs> i've got big plans yep. yeah it's uh everybody uh, so i bought a skid steer and i'm like i have plans to get a lot more equipment They're like how are you going to do that I have a way. I have a way to to do it. I think I can figure it out. I think I get one of everything. And they're all going to be different colors. There's going to be no theme to it. No. I'll have to show you guys the socks that Jessica got me for my birthday. They have the cow skid steer on there. Oh, wow. Their cow skid steer socks. That's hilarious. Oh, yep. yeah. 
Well, guys, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate you uh, hanging out with us today. Thank well, you for having pre- us. We appreciate you and, and what you're doing for the dirt world. It's desperately needed, and uh, I commend you for what you've done and your team, and your top-notch, top-notch operation. We've been very impressed being here today, and we're looking forward to the maybe the beatdown tomorrow with the team you've got coming in to it'll be, help us. It'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to checking it out. All right. Podcast. Dirt Talk. So many times right now, I'm going to